Hello and welcome to this Multipure podcast. My name is Kenton Jones, Vice President of Marketing here at Multipure. And for today's podcast, we have a, a great story for you about Multipure and how Multipure has uh, touched people's lives. And well, I'm, I think we're just going to get right into it and hear from our guest. Our guest today is actually a Multipure customer. She's not a Multipure builder. She's not really <laughs> outside of being a customer and, and friends with with uh, some of the executives here at Multipure. She, she has her, her very own life in Twin Falls, Idaho. So I'd like to welcome to this podcast, Shannon Banfield. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on on this podcast. So Shannon, you're currently in Twin Falls, Idaho. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, But you you were here in Nevada for, for quite a while. Can you tell us about that? Right. So we actually moved to Las Vegas in 2010. My husband was active duty military at the time and we got stationed there at Nellis Air Force Base. And then in 2016, we moved to the northern part of Nevada to Carson City, Reno area. And then in 2018 is when we actually made our move here to Idaho. So we lived in Vegas for about six years. So you presently have a multipure in your house. Is that right? I do. I have the Aqualux. Awesome. Awesome. It's our favorite machine. So how did you first hear about Multipure? So I, I actually in my art, so my son and Jen's son were playing on a baseball, had just started playing on a baseball team together there for um, one of the little leagues there. And this, and, is, and this is Jen Rice, uh, our executive vice president, right? Right, right. And so at the time, <laughs> my, my middle son was had gone into the hospital. They actually, at the time, this was in September of that year, they thought he, they thought he had leukemia, but they weren't sure what was going on at the time. And so I showed up to this baseball practice, I think is what it was. And Jen saw me sitting there and I've, you know, got my sunglasses on, but she could tell I was crying. And so that's how I actually met Jen. Um, And then my son was actually diagnosed in December of that year with leukemia. And when we moved north to Carson City, he was still in treatment. So I had already been familiar with multi-peer. But then when I was talking to Jen about the different water and what was going on, then she mentioned to me about the Aqualux because we were moving to a well. And so she mentioned to me about the Aqualux. And that's how I got the Aqualux. But going back a little bit more, when while we were still in Las Vegas, you know, being friends with Jen and learning all about water. I'm very, I'm a very inquisitive person. So I was always asking questions <laughs> and we were always talking about different things. And so she helped me even with another, like, uh, with RO water. And I had a son, my, at the time I had an infant that was spinning up a lot and we couldn't figure it out. And it was because of the RO water in the house. And so Jen helped me figure that out too. Um, and so I've been familiar with Multipe here for a while now because of meeting Jen. Yeah, you know, everybody, whether you're a builder with Multipeer, whether you, you work here, we seem to all really have kind of a strong belief in, in the product. And I know that Jen had a personal experience with RO Water with her young son at the time, uh, which is probably how you found a kindred spirit there with uh, with RO Water and, and uh, kids' health issues with that. So not surprising to anybody who knows Jen even for a minute that she would be talking about that. So Shannon, tell me a little bit about Tucker, your your middle son, and his diagnosis. So he was diagnosed with um, B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia in um, December of 2014. So we had about a two-month, like, we weren't really sure what was going on. But when he was finally diagnosed, he 
you know, spent some time in the hospital. And then after that, he did fairly well on treatment. So he never actually had to go back into the hospital. Most people aren't aware because they're not in the childhood cancer world. But the treatment time, you know, you, you look at an adult that gets diagnosed with cancer. And typically, it's like six months, it's a few rounds, it's, you know, whatever it is. Um, on average, but for these kids, especially boys that have leukemia at the, at that time, treatment was 38 months. So we actually spent over three years in treatment and then he finished treatment at about seven and a half, just before he turned trying to think now, I, I think he was seven and a half, right before he turned eight, he finished treatment. He just turned 10. Actually, I'm sorry. It was before he turned seven, six and a half, right before he turned seven, because he's 10 now and he's been out of treatment for three years. So okay. he just turned 10, pretty normal little boy, plays sports, fights with his siblings, um, you know. All the things you parents. expect from a 10 year old. Yeah, all the things you expect from a kid. So the uh, the root cause of, of leukemia, was it, was it just bad luck? Uh, just uh, any, any idea? So it's interesting that you asked that because we don't know. And I have my own personal theories. Um, there is, as you know, north of Las Vegas, there is the test range. Um, there is, you know, if you do any kind of research into that, there was tons of nuclear research that was going on, you know, back in the times and, you know, Everybody, most people, and maybe not younger people, know about the St. George fallout from some of that. So there, that to me is like, okay, where is that stuff going? It's seeping into the ground. Who really knows, right? He was right. born in Las Vegas. He was drinking Las Vegas water, and I have no, I have no way to know, right? And when we talked to the doctors about it, um, they said it's probably partially genetic partially environmental. The other part of the environmental is my husband when he was in the military, actually, he's still in the military part time. Um, he is a fuels troop. So he handles jet fuel, JP8, which has benzene in it. Yeah. Um, benzene is a known carcinogen for leukemia. And when we brought that up to the doctors, they said, well, your son would have been the one that had to have been, you know, doused in it for it to be a factor for him. However, um, my husband was actually deployed right before I got pregnant with Tucker and he was on a bunch of different things that deployed military members are on. And so, right. um, you know, for me, when I look back and think of all these things, I'm like, I strongly have a personal belief. I have no scientific evidence whatsoever. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> um, I just have this like belief that all of that had to have somehow contributed to it because they really don't know. Only 4%, I'm totally throwing this out there, 4% of federal funds go to childhood cancer research. And most of that is to treatment. Nothing is out there really saying what is causing this for kids. For adults, we know, you know, BRCA, BRCA came out, right? So we know that women who have the BRCA gene have a higher risk of getting breast cancer. We know that there's all these genetic tests we can run for adults to figure out, okay, there might be this genetic link. But it, to my knowledge today, there's nothing that looks at what could potentially cause childhood cancer. And it's a struggle for parents, I'll tell you that much, because as a parent, you're like, well, did I do something to cause this? Like, yeah. is there something I could have changed, something I could have done differently? And you, you just don't know. I can imagine when you hear a diagnosis for like that for a young 
a young child and, and being the parent, you, I mean, I, I bet you're suddenly energized looking into the causes of cancer and, and wanting to research these kinds of things. Some people are, and some people are not. I am definitely the one that is. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time learning the treatment that my son was going through. I researched the drugs that he was taking, looked into different things of what could cause it, bounced the ideas off his doctors. Like I, you know, I, I probably asked his doctor a million and 10 questions and, you know, thankfully he was more than willing to answer all of them. So it, it does, it throws one, you know, it's hits you like a ton of bricks in the face. And then some people, do go into that research mode and some people don't. It just depends on their personality and how they um, handle it. Right. So what turned you on to water filtration then? I mean, did, were, you, were you and your family drinking filtered water before you know, the whole ordeal with Tucker or, or, was, or was water just something you didn't think about? T tell me about that. So water was something we didn't entirely think about. Um, it was, I mean, we had filtered water. It was, you know, your city water is quote unquote filtered, um, <laughs> processed water, but, or I guess maybe process isn't the right word, but, um, we just use like your regular fridge filter. Like that's where we would get most of our water is out of the okay. fridge and just our standard, one of those standard, um, yeah, the, their filters. little tiny filter that plugs into people's refrigerators. Right. So, so what made you make the switch then to something a little more robust, like a multipure? When we moved to northern Nevada, you know, I was talking to Jen and telling her we were moving and all this stuff was going on. And the house that we purchased, I told her, I'm like, it's well water, which um, well water for me, at least it doesn't have the chlorine in it. It doesn't have all that stuff that they use to treat, you know, municipal right. water. And so when I was talking to her about it, that's when she brought up the Aqualux to me. She says, well, you know, you're getting well water. We have this Aqualux filter. It filters out these things. It doesn't just kill it. Um, it filters these things out. And I was like, oh, and because Tucker was still in treatment when we moved, um, one of the things that it filters out is E. coli, which can be a problem in well water. And yeah. with well water, you don't like we test our water every year because we're currently also on a well here in Idaho and we test our water once a year. We're pretty diligent about it, but you don't test it all the time. And so you don't know if E. coli can get, gets into the water until somebody gets sick. And so while he was still in treatment, she brought this filter up to me and I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's probably something I want because if I get E. coli, I, I have, you know, a pretty good chance of going, you know, getting sick, but probably getting past it, right? Where Tucker at the time, his immune system was so low that if he would have drank that water and gotten sick, it would have really affected him. And so it was a big drive for me to get something other than RO because there was an RO water system in the house and I refused to drink RO water any longer. Um, and in fact, since meeting Jen, I don't drink our water. Um, she was very, and she was very open about it. She's like, you can go research all the stuff I'm telling you. And I was like, okay. So I did of course. And, uh, cause of course, right. I'm the researcher. Um, so I did, and I did my own research and came to my own conclusions on it. And so I don't touch RO water anymore. And so we ripped that system out as soon as we moved into the house. And then we ended up buying the Aqualux and it was funny because. I 
pulled the tap water and I pulled the Aqualux water. Well, before the Aqualux water, I thought my water was pretty clean. <laughs> and I pulled both and I hold them side by side. And I was like, oh, that's a big difference. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that side by side comparison or, or a taste test one to the other. Uh, it's amazing what we get used to sometimes. Right, you know? right. Absolutely. And so that's how I ended up getting an Aqualux was really because I felt I needed something that would make me feel comfortable knowing that if our well did get contaminated prior to us being able to test it, that we would at least be okay drinking this water. Yeah. And I imagine with Tucker's treatment, one of the things that you're trying to accomplish is reducing or eliminating other risks to his health. As you said, he was immune compromised at the time, so the water was was obviously you know a, a direction you wanted to look. Were, were there any other steps that you took uh, to kind of, you know protect him a little bit? Yeah, we wore masks before masks were cool, man. Like I told you, <laughs> you're <laughs> so trendsetter, huh? We were a trendsetter. In fact, I look back at pictures, and I have pictures of Tucker wearing a mask while he was in treatment because you know they. When your average, so everybody has what they call an ANC count. And if you were to go get your blood work done today, they would tell you what your ANC count is. And that count is supposed to be over 4,000 to help you provide or help you fight infections. And with kids going through the treatment that Tucker went through, they keep that count below 1,000 above 750. And so you really have no infection fighting whatsoever. So anytime we were out in public, um, with Tucker, he wore a mask. We carried, I should have bought stock and hand sanitizer then, um, <laughs> before COVID. And because we carried hand sanitizer, we made sure we washed our hands all the time. We made sure that we weren't touching our face. You know, we had really great friends at the time too, who we said, you know, Hey, we want to be able to spend time, but if you are sick, like let us know ahead of time. We don't want to get Tucker's, you know, we don't want to bring anything unknowingly around Tucker. And, and so thankfully, you know, we made it through three years of treatment pretty uneventfully compared to some other people who have not been as blessed as we were. Yeah. Yeah. So now with everybody walking around with masks on and, and little bottles of hand sanitizer and, and pockets and purses, this is all old hat for you, right? Right. As soon as it started, I was like, okay, we just go right back to what we were doing before. All right. Cause we, you know, we eased it up a little bit after he was done with treatment. Cause his doctor was like, you need to expose him to things. Now he's got to build up that immune system again. And all so right. when all of COVID started last year, I was like, all right, guys, same thing as before. Like don't touch your face, use hand sanitizer, stay away from the sick kids at school, <laughs> you know, all of the same stuff we'd already been doing. I'm like, this is child's play for us. <laughs> wow. So, so you said Tucker is three years out of treatment. The things look good uh, for him. He's, he's, he's uh, just a, a happy little boy now. Yep. Yep. Um, just like every other little 10 year old little boy, which awesome. is a blessing. So one other thing before we, uh, before we kind of, wrap things up here. I want to talk about before we, we started the podcast, we were talking a little bit about how uh, cancer has struck your family now a few times. And, and you said, uh, you said you're making the best of this. Uh, I want you to tell me a little bit uh, about the, uh, about the group that you formed there. So we were talking about that and how, you know, uh, anybody that gets a pediatric cancer diagnosis 
you know, we all know what each other feels like. And I can legitimately tell another parent who's facing the same diagnosis, like, I know exactly what you're going through because I've been there. And so we turned this negative, like this three years of treatment, this negative, like, diagnosis that your child gets, we've, we've actually turned that into a positive here where I live. And so about a year and a half ago, I met a group of people who were just as impassioned as I was about childhood cancer and screaming it to the rooftops and getting people to be more aware about it. And we actually started a, a, a nonprofit here that I'm now the vice president of called the Magic Valley Pediatric Cancer Coalition. And what we do here is we help families who have been diagnosed in our eight county range. And we provide, so all of the kids that have been diagnosed in this eight county, because we're in pretty rural area of Idaho, they have to travel to either Boise, Idaho or Salt Lake City, Utah for treatment. And if you think about like when I, you know, if we go back to the 36 months or 38 months of treatment that my son went through, that is a lot of traveling. And the first 10 months of that, that I didn't mention earlier, were weekly or daily visits to the clinic for treatment. And some kids get, have to get hospitalized for some of their treatment because it's got to be a stronger dose because they have a, you know high risk cancer or they have a different kind of cancer. And so when you think about that, that's a lot of travel to that, you know, Boise is two hours from us, Salt Lake is three hours from us. And so when I moved here, I was like, okay, I really want to get involved in something. There was nothing here. So I just started talking to people and we formed this nonprofit here. And so we've been able to now help families with gas cards, with mortgage payments, with utility payments, with, you know, whatever we can help them with. Because what a lot of people don't know and don't realize is that when a child is diagnosed with cancer, some of most, like, I can't remember what, what the exact percentage is, but a lot of them are already in poverty. And this throws them even further into poverty because a parent has to quit a job usually. So it's you're going down from two incomes down to one income because a parent has to always be with that child to be able to take them to treatment. Um, and so it's it's been a blessing on this side of it and being on the you know the other side and being able to help and pay it forward to other families so that they don't have to, you know, maybe we can relieve just that little bit of stress for them that they would otherwise have, and they can focus on their child. So it's a blessing in disguise. I hate to put it that way, but we were able to turn that negative into a positive. So any way that uh, anybody listening to this podcast can, uh, can donate, can help out? So we do have a Facebook page right now. We have a website that's getting ready to launch, but we're just waiting on one more piece of that. And that would be the Magic Valley PCC, magicvalleypcc.org. They want to look out for that website to come up. But if you go to Facebook and you just type in Magic Valley Pediatric Cancer Coalition, our Facebook page will pop up um, and you'll be able to see the different things that we're doing. We have a soiree coming up this summer in June. We've got some golf tournaments and stuff. If there's anybody in the in the local area that you know wants to donate or anybody outside the area that wants to donate. But um, the big thing for us is that all of those funds do stay here locally in the Magic Valley for the eight counties that we serve. And our entire board is volunteer. So we have no paid employees. Everybody is a volunteer. So I think it's like 95% of the funds go right back to our programs and services and helping these families. Wow. That's awesome work that you're doing. I'm, I'm so glad that this, uh, this dark period in your life uh, turned into something so something so cool and uh, that you're able to help out and, and help out in an understanding and a compassionate way with the Magic Valley Pediatric Cancer Coalition. Yep.
and uh, you know, I I do have to say thank you to Multipeer because I one thank you to Jen too, right? Like I'm Jen is a really good friend of mine, and had it not been for her like reaching out to me that day, she she helped me get through a lot of those three years, right? Um, she was kind of the first person I told, and she was a complete stranger at the time, and you know. For multi-pure, for me, like, I tell everybody I know when they talk about RO water, I'm like, you don't want to drink that stuff. And I explain to them everything that's going on about it. And then, you know, I talk to them about the water filter that I used. And it's funny because, Jen, I told when we moved from Carson City to here, we put it in the listing. Like, the water filter is not staying with the house. It is coming <laughs> out. Like, I made sure that the real estate agent, I'm like, put it in the notes. I don't care where you put it. The water filter is not staying. So that water filter actually traveled from Parson City all the way here to Idaho. And the great thing about that water filter, and that I, I do want to point this out, is I didn't actually install it here right away because we didn't have somewhere to put the water spigot. And I just never even thought to go to the multi-peer website and order the one that goes on top of the counter, right? And so... It was about a year after we moved in that we figured out we could take out the garbage disposal button and put that <laughs> water filter there. Yeah. So that's what we did. But when I went out to get the water filter, I had totally forgotten to take the actual filter out of the canister. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. But I opened up that canister. There was not a single bit of mold. There was no rust. There was nothing in that canister after sitting in the uh, for a year in the garage through multiple, you know, seasons. Yeah. That and there was nothing wrong with any of it. I did the cleaning, you know, I did I followed the recommended cleaning for it through that's in the the handbook, but there was nothing wrong with that water filter and I was like shocked. I had texted Jen, I'm like, I can't even believe this. Like I totally <laughs> forgot about this. Left the filter in there and there was nothing. It was amazing. And that totally was like any other water filter I would have had to probably thrown away right making that mistake i would yeah. have had to have thrown away but this one was in like perfect like brand new condition and it has saved me because it also detects water leaks it has saved me from some water damage as well oh wow I'm like, yeah and like what's that beeping sound um the first <laughs> time i was like i don't know what that beeping sound is and i tracked it and i was like there's a water leak under the kitchen under the kitchen sink and <laughs> Um, so a couple of times it's actually saved me from some water damage as well. So it's like multifunctional. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a, wow. Shannon, what a cool endorsement. Thank you so much. Wow. All right. Well, um, man, anything else you want to, you want to add before we, uh, we wrap things up here? No, thanks for, you know, inviting me on here to do this podcast. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about, you know, what you guys do, um, the multi-peer foundation. I, I just can't say enough good things about you, uh, about the, the company as a whole, actually. Well, we listen, we really appreciate you, uh, you know, obviously not just as a customer, but uh, as a friend of the company and, you know, all that you've gone through. And, you know, we're, we're just, we're happy to have you here and, and to have shared your story. So thank you very much, Shannon. Thank you. Okay, so this is Shannon Banfield, multi-peer customer, mother of uh, Tucker, among other children. But uh, if you want to find out more uh, about Shannon's coalition, it's the Magic Valley Pediatric Cancer Coalition. You can look them up on Facebook. Uh, they're going to have a website here pretty soon, magicvalleypcc.org. If you'd like to find out about the good things that they're doing uh, and see if there's a way you can contribute, 
And of course, uh, you want to find out more about Multipure, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, amazingly enough, Multipure now has a TikTok channel. I, a 50-year-old company with a TikTok channel. I, I don't know. Wonders never cease. But uh, thank you for listening to today's podcast. And again, a very special thank you to Shannon Banfield for uh, for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, I guess that's it for today's podcast. So thank you. And remember that Multipure is for life and for you. Goodbye. Goodbye.